Welcome to On Balance. I'm your host, Dr. Rod Berger. I'll be your guide as we explore the stories of today with the personalities impacting tomorrow. Welcome to On Balance. Welcome to another edition of On Balance. I'm your host, Dr. Rod Berger. I'm really looking forward to this conversation. We're going to be speaking with Yvonne Kauser Yancey. She is the head of workplace and the chief administrative officer at Understood. Important conversation here, Yvonne, about work that's been done. I know that there was a there was research that was done with Understood, and you had said, and I loved it off air, talking about you, the work you do is HR and sort of everything else uh, tied to that, <laughs> uh, which exactly. is perfect because in the world that we live in, um, you know, HR is, I think so emblematic of the things that we've got to be doing is understanding the humans that we're interacting with, right? In the workplace, in schools, that kind of a thing. Uh, Tell me, let's start, let's start with the impetus to, to conduct this research. Tell me about the conversations on the front end that led to uh, some of the data that we will discuss here today. Absolutely. So first, thank you for having me. Super excited to be here. Um, You know, understood as an organization is focused on helping the one in five Americans or roughly 70 million people in our world who have a learning and thinking difference and how they navigate their spaces. And we're um, unique in the sense that we uh, do work that goes across your lifespan. So your full journey from childhood through adulthood, et cetera. And uh, one of the things I get to do to understood is lead our workplace initiative and and talk about how people are able to navigate and really excel in the workplace and what's required for that to happen. So the impetus around the study was really to gauge um, appropriately in the marketplace currently um, how people are experiencing the workplace and do they feel like um, neurodiversity and accommodation and the things you need to really do well at work, period, full stop, are they happening? Is that part of the diversity, equity, inclusion conversation or not? Should it be? And if it is happening, what does that mean for you in terms of your day-to-day? And that was the point of the survey. Um, And we've got a a, a great sampling of roughly more than 1,000 people across demographic groups, et cetera, who are active working adults, um, and polled them to see kind of where things stand. And unsurprisingly, there's some good news and there's some opportunities. So let's talk, we'll get to the the opportunities uh, and the good news. Let's talk about some of the surprises. I always think that even when we work knee-deep in in the specialty that we that we you know work in every day, we still are are pleasantly surprised, and sometimes we're shockingly surprised at what is sort of going on when we really dive into the data. Talk about the assumptions maybe that you had walking into this, and if there were certain things that sort of leapt up, off the page for you when you saw the results that made you maybe think twice about assumptions that you had even made personally and professionally about the data that we were going to reveal. Well, you know, I think over the last couple of years, we've had the joy of of managing through COVID um, and lots of social unrest. And so unsurprisingly, the conversation of diversity, equity, inclusion is prescient. (laughs) It is on people's minds. And unsurprisingly, and and surprisingly, I guess I should say, um, many people reported they felt like their employers were talking about diversity, equity, inclusion in a positive way. I don't know if we'd surveyed two and a half years ago we would have had the same percentage, right? Because there's a much stronger conversation in the public discourse in and outside of work. So I think people are feeling that in the workplace, which is a positive. Um, I think the opportunities and the, the, the pieces that are interesting from our lens and understood is in that conversation as neurodiversity a factor or not. And about half of our participants said that their employers talked about physical disability, but there was not as much conversation about invisible disability. And that's the neurodiversity that we talk about. And I want to I'm going to pause right there if you don't mind. In the 
so help me understand, help the audience actually understand yeah. this neurodiversity. So what are we talking about? What is it, what is it, uh, sort of, you know, paint the picture as we're walking into a restaurant, talk, talk about the ambience, the look and feel of what we're talking about that separates out that physical from the neuro in that, in that manner. Cause I think it is important to lay that groundwork so that people have a full understanding of what, and a, of the complexities at play and the absolutely. potential implications if we're not aware. Absolutely, absolutely. So when we talk about disability in the workplace, often people talk about visible disability. Um, and so, you know, a disability you can see with your eye, you know, in terms of uh, wheelchair accessibility or things like that. What they don't talk about often are invisible disabilities, which is a learning and thinking difference. So when you see someone, they might not present as though they need an accommodation, but they might have ADHD or dyslexia or dysgeulia. They might have difficulty navigating a Zoom. We live in the land of Zoom now. So what are the things that we could do to make that Zoom more productive, for example? So we're very good at making sure we have recordings for audio disability, but do we have it for people who are processing differently? And so neurodiversity, because it's invisible, People um, are often reluctant to articulate that they have that, that need for an accommodation. They might not use the word accommodation. They might talk about things that just make them more effective at work. Um, they might want to get a pre-read before a meeting. There are all these sort of um, what can appear to be minor requests that really, in fact, are tools they need to thrive in the job that they have. And the question is, in the workplace, are employers offering um, these kind of options to people to really be successful? It's very easy to address physical disability because it's literally in front of you. And you, know, you can't avoid that conversation. Either you're wheelchair accessible or you're not, right? But invisible disabilities and divisible um, differences and neurodiversity is harder to articulate. The range is wider, it's broader, and what people's needs are, are aren't always so obvious. And so the question is, are we really leveraging the diversity, equity, inclusion programs to include those components as well? Because the reality is the people you work with have learning and thinking differences. The question is, are they talking about it and are they getting what they need to excel in the work you're giving them? So I love what you, so a couple of things there. You even talked about sort of the Zoom component in the new world that we occupy. Right. And the assumptions that that we make, I think unintentionally, that yeah. in fact bring sort of a stigma along into the so proverbial conversation and the impact that that could have on that employee, that team member, that coworker, with, without even knowing that you're doing it, right? Whether right. it's that we assume someone has got to be on video or right. it just all kinds of interactions that we maybe have taken for granted. Now, would you say, Yvonne, that the DE&I sort of, I mean, look, for a lot of people, DE&I feels very new, right? Like right. if you're at the bus stop or you're at the coffee shop, it's this new, uh, thing that we're trying to qualify, like, well, what does this maybe mean in our lives or in, in this part of our lives? Right. I mean, what I'm hearing from you is that it has been helpful to some degree. I'll let you define that in bringing up conversations about things that had maybe been maybe dormant to the way in which we think as leaders in supporting our teams, our workforce. Is that fair? Absolutely. I think it's fair. I also think from people who may have had some exposure to DEI, it's really been very specific to race gender, LGBTQ. I mean, there's very uh, defined uh, sort of um, segments that we talk about in limited functions and we, and we have great slogans <laughs> about them and then we move on to the next thing. Um, and so the conversation in terms of including things like disability and specifically to us, neurodiversity and invisible differences is absolutely new. And I think the uh, transition that we've all had to make in work because of COVID 
um, has really driven that conversation because one of the significant things that happened with COVID was disclosure. When I was in your office before or your podcast um, uh, engineering booth before, whatever it happens to be, I didn't have to tell you that I have ADHD. And so I break my day up into six parts and I step away and go do these five things so I can still be active. But when I got seven hours of Zoom booked on my calendar, suddenly I had to confide in you, my employer, <laughs> that I needed a different way of working. <laughs> we all do. <laughs> exactly. So all of a sudden when you're at home uh, and you're, or, or wherever you were Zooming, because people Zoom from all sorts of places. I had a, a colleague who was doing a Zoom call in a bathroom because it was the only quiet place in their house, right? So the, the, the need to figure out how to work shifted for everybody. Um, and the way we were able to uh, engage in work and the tools we needed for work um, became very different. And so the opportunity of that experience is that people who needed different things like recording the Zoom, getting things in advance, being able to be remote. That was a, there was a time as an HR professional where a remote request was like a prize. You, know, you had to be a star employee. We had you know, to cross three hurdles and then get that ribbon. And then we're like, you can work from home one day a week. And that was like a joyful thing. <laughs> now it's a norm. <laughs> and so all these things we couldn't do before, suddenly it turns out we can really do. Um, that opens the door in a lot of ways for people who needed those sorts of accommodations to, to access your workplace, right? It also meant that people who are already there might get the things they needed to do better in the workplace. Let's talk about education, because I don't want to assume that companies, even with the best of intentions, have the structures in place to ensure that their HR professionals know how either to read sort of what is going on within their, their workplace and or what to do about that. So with the survey, the Harris survey as a backdrop, is there any information that you can glean from it that helps us better understand at what point do we need to intersect and provide education or is it sort of just writ large with an organization it's not just leadership it's not just hr but is there a starting point do these things run in parallel and how does the data play out i think it runs in parallel you know in the survey we found that roughly 28 percent of the people that we surveyed that they've struggled with having the right setup with having what they needed to thrive in in their work which is really critical for employers to know that means like roughly just under a third of the people that we talked to were like no actually i need some other things to be effective in this job um and then about half of the people we talked to a little more than half had in fact asked for accommodations or some sort of assistance but they hadn't all gotten it back so we got a third of people saying that they're not getting what they need and then the people who actually ask for assistance aren't getting an answer back that accomplishes the goal so it's a, that my hunch would be that that would mean that they just didn't know maybe how to address the accommodation that's been requested. And even if it's yeah. utilized as a question around accommodation, it's just, my goodness, we don't know what to do. We are in an, it's like when you travel to a foreign land and you don't speak the language, you're not exactly right. sure the custom exactly. and that is that because I don't want, I don't think there's a uh, negative intention of these, of these no. leaders at all. It's just gosh, we're learning more about humans, the way we work and interact with one another and what we need um, at a very granular level, which can only make us better. But I think this really highlights that education does play a role. So then, so what's the next, what's the transition, Yvonne, from data, right, to, I guess, action or implementation? 
Well, I think there are two sides of the coin, right? There's uh, an opportunity for employers to educate themselves. There's an opportunity for them to help educate the people that are with them, their, their team members. So, you know, and understood through the workplace uh, initiative, we offer a suite of products that really are focused around training both halves of that coin. So one side is creating awareness within your organization that accommodations exist. And the challenge is with your point around the language. Everyone doesn't use the word accommodation. And I have to say, as an HR professional, We've done an excellent job over the last 30 plus years, you know, berating managers and to look for that word. They don't hear that word. Nothing else matters. And the reality is people ask for help without using the word accommodation and you might miss it. <laughs> so we have to create a space where we can talk about it in broad strokes as an organization, but then also offer some blended learning and some other experiential training for the managers who really are the people you're talking to. Very rarely do you call your HR manager about your day to day at work unless it's gone off the rails. So if you're calling an HR manager because there's a problem, air quote, right? Um, but typically you just call your boss and say, hey, this is what I need. And then hopefully your boss hears the key words that say, ah, this is an accommodation request. How can I move this forward to make sure that Rod's more effective at work? <laughs> and so I think it's incumbent upon employers to really offer both halves of that training, to give employees clarity about what kind of environment they have, what kind of culture they want, and that Neurodiversity, for example, accommodation, those are words and things that are actively supported and engaged here. And on the flip side, you know, what do you need to be effective at work shouldn't be a special request, right? It should be like your day-to-day. -day. So your day-to-day -day manager should be equipped and prepared to navigate that conversation without there being three key words that go back to a federal statute, that goes back to a state law um, to create a space. Because no one in, in real in the real world is operating with those kind of structures, right? Yeah, we don't need another we don't need another poster in our uh, break room area that says, exactly. "Oh, wait a minute, <laughs> we're breaking." Where's that word? What does that mean? So yeah. you really want to be able to create a culture where the, uh, the employer, the employee, and the manager feel like they can have a great conversation about what's going on with them, and that they can get a, a resolution to what they need to be effective. I mean, that's why you hired them when you interview people and you offer them opportunities it's like the best day. Everyone's excited. You think you got a great talent. They're stoked about working for you. It goes downhill from there if they don't get the tools they need to be effective in the role. And it goes downhill for you too as the employer because you're expecting a certain output. It's not going to come if they can't deliver. Yeah. And I, I would say that th there's also an assumption that the worker, the employee has a has a comprehensive awareness of the uh, thinking and learning differences that they uh, that are a part of their own constitution. And I wouldn't say that that's smart to assume because we're still sort of just scratching the surface of understanding the mind and all these different ways in which we experience the world around us. And so what I'm gleaning and taking from what you're saying here is that there's a there's also a major component of the story wrapped in all of these opportunities. We Someone might call it marketing, but really it's the story so that it's not something that you have to feel safe enough to talk about, that it's just that's just how we're just all different and unique in our own wonderful exactly. ways, right? And but that takes time, growth over time, education to, you know, not to use the word, but to understand or have an understanding yes. of and to be understood. Is that am I, I ringing? Is that ring true for you? I think it rings true. I think, you know, when you think about um, your own uh, journey in terms of the different places you've worked or been really excited and really done well in, you've needed different things in different places. So, you might be clear about what your learning and thinking difference is, but it shows up differently depending on the environment and the work that you're engaged in. So your accommodation in one job might, might not be the same accommodation in a different job. 
And for an employer, I think the objective is not to create you know, the special buttons people push, they need something extra. It's to say, hey, what do you need to really do well here, period? Um, because the truth is uh, accommodations um, benefit the five and five. So, you know, um, when you have um, the, the bike lane, the, the cuts on the curb for physical accessibility, we all like that. <laughs> um, that's not just for people who are in wheelchair, right? When you have an environment that gives you flexibility around how you do your work, I, I read closed caption. I don't need closed caption, but I like it. I, I never went back to look at recordings from old Zooms, but now that I work in an employer that's actively, proactively offering it, I use it. And so the reality is this, the kind of accommodations you're making for people who might have a specific need benefit everyone else. So as an employer, you want to get to a place where you're talking about, I want to create a space where everyone gets what they need. And like the survey said, a third of the people we talked to said, they just under a third, excuse me, um, they don't have the tools they need to be successful. Those people don't all have a difference, um, but they need the capacity to, to receive a tool and to ask for it in a way that's not going to create a stigma or some you know, unique circumstance that's special air quote. That's really about what well, I need to be effective here. And that's going to vary from place to place. Is it, can we apply this in the survey results? Uh, and what we're learning in the workplace to K-12 and higher ed, because it does feel as if, my goodness, if we had a better understanding of this and sort of the tentacles and the opportunity in reaching out from sort of the beginning of the story into where we are presently as adults, that could really benefit us as teachers, as students in classrooms, uh, college students, figuring out what career might be best suited for our skill sets and our passions. Um, that this has implications that are far reaching beyond maybe the current work environment that you or I may occupy as adults. I, mean, I think we definitely can. There's certain learnings that go across all the all, all, all of these sort of platforms or, or environments. Um, I'll give an example with the workplace product, for example. Uh, we have a certificate that we offer that you can go through a self guided um, training program and it's free and it gives you clarity around, you know, how you handle certain circumstances of people with difference, how do you recognize it, the words you use, things like that. It turns out that we had designed it initially for HR professionals, but we had a professor at a major institution, a flagship institution in, in Pennsylvania using it for her HR management class. And another class was using it as social work class because in all those spaces, people inter interact with people with difference or kids with difference. And they want to have the right language and have the right um, approach to dealing with that and discussing it. And so, I mean, I think the skill set around being competent to talk to different people is critical in every environment. And creating, a, 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 a having vehicles to train people and to learn from that without it being special or unique is also critical. And that I think applies to every demographic. I think it applies to every you know, environment. And it gives people, it, for, if you have a difference, it makes you feel seen and visible, right? And if you're working with people who have a difference, it makes you feel confident that they're able to engage in a, in a positive way. I want to close with this. So I know we are conducting a podcast so people can't see us uh, on video, but I'm having, I have the pleasure of, of seeing you uh, through the power of technology. And, and I sense a fantastic energy. Um, and I'm wondering if, you know, a survey like this um, that understood and, and Harris uh, took part in, if it empowers somebody in your position in the work that you do to be able to have conversations at more extensive and more sort of comprehensive levels, because it's not just, you know, it in your heart, right? You, you know, it through experience. It's that, look, the data is bearing out that these things are incredibly important 
to people across this country? And is that it, it just feels like you are you are empowered by this data in such a positive way. Am I reading the room? You are reading the room. That is correct. I just think <laughs> yeah, I've, I've built my career um, predominantly in HR and, and working across a host of different organizations in the public and private sector, really around the engine of making sure businesses run effectively. That's what that's what rings my bell. It's what got me into this career. And if you know foundationally that some significant portion of your population is struggling because you haven't given them what they needed. Not because they're not interested, not because they just sign up for this great job, because they don't have the resource, they need the capacity to get the resource. I could evangelize that from every rooftop. Because I think employers intrinsically are looking to deliver on their value proposition. And the only way you can do that is to ensure that the people that you have, you spend a lot of time, energy, and money finding, <laughs> um, are engaged and they're retained. And the best way of doing that is ensuring they have the tools and support. And if you're not talking about uh, neurodiversity in your conversations around race, gender, and all the other categories are also important. You're leaving out a third of the workforce, and that is not insignificant. And so I just feel like people, when they sign up to work with you, they're, they're really excited about it. They, this is a job they went and told someone they got. They share their letter, they send the email out, they, do, they post on Twitter, right? <laughs> and so um, as an employer, don't you want that joy and that sort of enthusiasm to continue? And you can control that by creating spaces and leaders who drive positive conversations and productive cultures. I just think that's the best thing ever. Yvonne, where can people get connected either with you and or learn more about Understood? I want to make sure we send them to the right destination. Absolutely. Go to understood.org. You can't, you can't miss us. We're out there. Um, my link is in the, the leaders page and also there's a, a tab around uh, finding more about workplace and the blended learning and training that we offer um, for free and of course fee for service. And I'm at yancy at understood.org. Well, you have fantastic energy, like I said earlier. I mean that sincerely. I think it's important. You. And, and you made a comment earlier about, you know, sort of the application of this type of information. This is not, in essence, just for the thinking and learning differently community at all. This is writ large across the country. Uh, it's incredibly important information for us to have a better understanding, uh, to be more understanding uh, and sensitive, I think, to our fellow uh, worker and colleague. Absolutely. Um, we see that as parents with our own kids. And I think that that translates when we're in the adults. And so this is great work. I encourage people to check out understood.org. I want to thank Yvonne uh, Kauser Vianci. She is the head of workplace and chief administrative officer at Understood. I'm your host, Dr. Rod Berger. This concludes another chapter of On Balance. Connect with me via LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. I'm Dr. Rod Berger.